the risk for us wasn't that we were putting our own personal money in, but in doing so, we started to hire and get office space. We did it a little too quick and uh, we had to sort of shut it down. That was the biggest mistake ever. I think the thing that we learned out of it was, I know for myself, I didn't respect cash the way that I respect cash now. My cash was on the line. I didn't I didn't realize how fast it could go when you let go just a little bit and, and make those mistakes. I'm Nusheen Alibai. I'm the CEO. I'm Eric Klimek. I am the CTO. And the two of us are the co-founders of Support Bench. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Took six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. Took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of her team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Nusheen Alibi and Eric Klimek is taking customer support to new heights for the enterprise. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there, too. Terso makes this easy, utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Nusheen Alibi has a background in sales, event planning, and entrepreneurship. Outside of her professional life, she enjoys Latin dancing, which is actually where she met her co-founder, Eric. Eric Klimek has also been in entrepreneurial roles throughout his life. Eventually, he dove into enterprise customer support, which led him to his current venture today. He attributes his love for salsa dancing as a major part of his professional successes. Both Nushin and Eric enjoy spending time with family and friends to help decompress from the startup life. Eric spent many years in customer support and found it incredibly difficult to deploy a new platform into his support group. He set out and built a tool set for the company he was at to use, and it went viral. When he figured out nothing existed in the market like these tools, he decided to build something for the world. This is the creation story of Support Bench. So Support Bench is a premium customer support software for B2B enterprise. And I know that that's a mouthful. To give you context, if you're familiar with Zendesk, a lot of companies when they're starting up, even if they expand to, say, 10, 20, 30, 50 million ARR, they can comfortably live with Zendesk. But at a certain point, 
you start to grow as a tech company and it's challenging for you to scale. You, your workflow and your support department becomes more complex and you're needing a lot more feature sets. And there just isn't anything adequate at that size and scale on the market. Most support systems are like Zendesk, where they're they're great for high volume, simple, quick communication, but can't do much beyond that. And as soon as your company increases in size and complexity, you're sort of bringing on another tool and another tool. And before you know it, these incredible support engineers are sort of have this volume of tool sets on their desk, and it becomes really overwhelming. You lose insight into your customers and oversight into the department. So we built SupportBench to solve for all of it. So these incredible support engineers have everything in one platform that's fully integrated, communicates well. And um, the reason I think it's such a phenomenal platform is because it was built by a frontline support engineer, which is Eric. He built it to solve all of these enterprise problems. So you have the person with the pain point building this incredible solution. So I started going and working through enterprise support from Autonomy, HP, and then eventually ended up at Sophos, which is at the time was not a large company at all. It was a super hyper growth company. And I worked my way up, worked in every single part of support. Eventually, I got tasked with the job of trying to be able to get a new platform in, in, in there. It was such a difficult experience to be able to, to get something in there because there was nothing that could manage that kind of growth and complexity. We tried every single system and we eventually ended up with one, which ended up being a complete failure. I was a manager at the time and what I wanted to do was I needed my guys to be able to manage the, these big enterprise companies like WPP or GE or all these big, big guys. And we had no tool that could actually manage them in a, in a way where I could look at analytics, I could look at what's going on with these customers on the fly. So I built a tool set to be able to do that. Eventually, kind of went viral and it took over the entire infrastructure of, of this company, which, which was great. I realized at that moment, once we had somebody from Gardner come in to that kind of mentioned that there's nothing can really do this. There's different tools on the market, as you know, enterprise tools for support, but they were all built with very different purposes. Zendesk is really built for e-com and smaller help desks. That's the genesis of the project. And Jira was built off of project management at its heart. Salesforce was built for sales teams. Um, ServiceNow was built for ITSM. And there was nothing really on the market that really focused on B2B. And that's kind of where I started building it. And that's kind of the genesis of the project. Let's dive into the MVP. This one will be for Eric. Tell me about that first product you built. How long did it take you to build? And what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? I've always worked inside of Microsoft products. So I went straight to my my roots and I went straight into .NET. And right from the get-go, I knew that I couldn't build infrastructure in place So we went straight to use Azure as a platform. So we don't manage any infrastructure. It gives us a lot of advantages and a lot of really easy to be able to get everything from soft compliance to scaling is really, really easily. So the only thing that I really had to worry about was code base. It took me about 
took me a couple of years to get it to the point where we had enough features that we could go out there and start selling and 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 machine was was able to bring on our first few clients i'm gonna stick on the mvp for for a minute when you're building anything you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs around maybe approach technical choice or um, tech choice you mentioned microsoft uh, maybe acceptance of technical debt or even architectural design. Tell me about some of those that you had to work through and you had to make. And specifically, I'm curious about how you coped with those decisions. Everything that I've always built was a single purpose for something. It was to have a certain job done at a one particular company that solved the problems of one particular requirement. It was really, it took many refactors of code to get to the point where it would be something that we could sell to the market in a way that anybody could just sign on, get a trial and just start jumping and jumping away. I knew there was a lot of security requirements. I knew there was a lot of different little hoops. I knew there was going to be scalability issues and I wanted to be and it took me a long time to figure out how to be able to do that and how to be able to create a multi-tenant application. I knew I wanted to be able to solve the problem of these B2B mid mid-size and enterprise clients, how to be able to make it scale from the get-go and how to be able to make it as stable as possible so that because if for one minute our system goes down, man, that phone starts ringing like crazy. Be able to get that MVP going with all of those things in mind took a lot longer than I, than I wanted. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. So you got the MVP, it's working. 
right? How did you progress the product from there and mature it? I think what I'm curious about is how you went about building your roadmap and, you know, how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build. Being the person that's that's actively coding it and, you know, having these initial conversations, you know, with machine with these customers, we had to make decisions very early on whether we wanted to be able to get into that feature trap of building a feature for a specific person or building a feature for the actual product that would benefit everybody that we could sell in some way. So a lot of it has been customer driven. I think a lot of companies are probably the same way as they start. As you start getting into these discovery calls and these people that are about to pay you some money, you got to meet certain requirements. The really nice thing about our market is the support people at the level that we're trying to be able, that we're breaking into the market, they already have their requirement sheet already set. So they know who they are, they know their support team, they know what they need to be able to get the job done and they know their gaps. So actually pretty easy to be able to build the roadmap at the start because they had their requirement sheets already set and if we couldn't meet those requirements then we couldn't move forward with any of the deals okay so let's switch to team and this will be interesting i'm always curious how a team goes about this so how did you build your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you along the way one of the areas that Eric and I have really focused on and I think it has done huge benefits for us is we've always tried to align ourselves with other incredible entrepreneurs that are steps ahead of us. They can almost, you know, they're clairvoyant. They almost show us the future, what we're to step into. And people in our industry are very generous with their time and advice. And so I have an immense amount of gratitude for these great, great people. One of the things we learned really early on, that's going to be a very big expense for you. Make sure, you know, you're cognizant of your runway. Hire very slowly, fire very quickly. And I think a lot of what we took from the advice we got was we're going to take our time. We're going to find incredible people, really good staff with vision that are excited about working for a startup that can sort of see that we're going to be doing great things into the future and, and sort of have that startup vision. So we, we were always really careful and cautious about who we hired. But once we had them, we treated it like a community. You know, Eric and I are very cognizant of, we work for our staff. We create a really good, healthy environment. We try and keep communication channels open. We try and facilitate whatever they need, increase the joy of their job and make sure, you know, their mental health isn't suffering. So we had like extra meetings during COVID to make sure everything was, everyone was doing well, if they needed extra time off, if they needed more time with family. And I think, I think we've always tried to be that way. So when we've hit bumps along the road, we've had very patient staff that's been very engaged in the company and I think happy people just produce really, really good work. And and we want to continue many years from now with these same wonderful people and, and sort of grow with them. To be able to find people when you're taking your time, find people that not only kind of buy into the vision, but understand your market and the product that you're going to be selling, especially the product. I didn't realize to, support to me is like, a, it's second nature, but I didn't realize hiring both dev and and support people to be able to help on the tech side that 
they if, unless they understood the the support side of things then the product that they would produce on either development on the, in in within the product they didn't get it it was it there was a big disconnect and that's why all of our developers and all of our support people all have really um, strong experience or have lived inside of support or have done frontline enterprise support already this episode was automatically optimized by cast if you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite in a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash codestory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. Let's flip to scalability then. I'm curious about how you've approached it. Was this built to scale efficiently from day one, or have you been fighting this as you grow in any sort of capacity? And again, that can be technology, that can be approach, and it can be people. Tell me about that. So on the product itself, really, because I came from the enterprise, I knew the requirements of what these enterprise systems need in order for it to function properly and how to be able to make it as autonomous as possible so that if something were to fail, you'd be able to see it and resolve it as quickly as possible. I kind of already foresaw the problems before they happened, and I built it to be able to ensure that it could it could scale appropriately. With that said, it doesn't mean that we didn't have a lot of bumps when the scalability issues started happening on the infrastructure side, because there are so many different cogs in that could fail that did fail and that it took a little while to be able to get the stability and the and and knowing comfortably that we can just flip the switch and just turn the dial a little bit up and we can continue pushing forward with the platform without with ease so i'm really proud about that fact that we've kind of solved those problems for now but i'm sure there will hit another scalability problem in future but right now we're in a good place on on the infrastructure side the other thing about scalability is not just the infrastructure, it's the it's the product roadmap itself as well. We, we started going down the path of building features to be able to get customers rather than put it, putting features that our entire customers could benefit from. It's really easy to be able to cut on that, especially with the kinds of customers that we that we have on board. 
So that, that was a little bit challenging. And I think we have a really good process in place now to be able to deal with it um, and to be able to manage the future of these, these features and interface issues that will continuously arise as we evolve the product. When we've been moving forward, one of the big areas for us is is absolutely and completely built for the enterprise. Every thought, every feature set was to benefit the enterprise. But when we started, when we were just bringing on our first few customers, we were like, we need to prove to ourselves and our customers that we're good, we can handle everything, because support is business critical. If other systems go down, your company is fine. Your support system cannot go down. That's every ounce of every contact you have with customers is right there. We needed to make sure that the product was really strong, that we could support the product. Of the mistakes we could make, we never wanted it to be with a customer. Okay, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? When we started... We had a vision, and when you begin in as a tech entrepreneur, your vision is lofty and it's utopian. And I'm so glad that we wrote it out and we said, we're going to be the best. We're going to be top four competitive customer support platforms in the industry, and we're going to deliver the best support and we're going to make our customers a priority, and we're going to change the game by improving people's lives. So we weren't really entirely focused on the bottom line. We were like, revenue will come if you're delivering incredible product and service, and if your passion is in it, revenue will come. But we said we wanted to be one of the bigger players and really change the landscape of support and deliver this incredible, incredible product for these people that we were so aligned with, with our, with our thinking, these amazing frontline customer support engineers. And I'm really proud that we didn't veer off, that we had opportunities along the way to say align with umbrella companies that have, would have pushed us in a different direction because it suited equity or would have pushed us to align with partners and resellers that, you know, would have taken us off our trajectory, might have made us focus more on, you know, the bottom line of the company rather than the vision and the dream. I'm just really proud that customers actually love the product. The start, you have this, like Nishina was saying, this utopian kind of idea of everything that what you're going to be building. And to be able to get that first customer, I think was the proudest thing I've ever done. To be able to get an actual customer that'll paying you money and that are solving real problems for their organization and their team that is helping their other customers to be able to do great things and to be able to, you know, keep their customers and juice churn and do all that other good stuff. And then not only do that, but then repeat it, which was also a challenge. I'm really proud that we were able to do that as well. Let's flip the script a little bit. Maybe you two can can tag team on this one. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. In our enthusiasm, when Eric and I decided we're going all in, this is incredible. We both sold property to invest more money and bootstrap support bench. At the time, it was challenging for us to get funding because it was a really competitive space. Our competitors are billion-dollar companies, and Zendesk is very beloved, as it should be, but we were competing sort of in another area, so a little bit challenging for us to get funding. The risk for us wasn't that we were putting our own personal money in. 
But in doing so, we started to hire and get office space. We did it a little too quick and、uh, we had to sort of shut it down. We had to let some really great people go. It was such an emotional time for Eric and I. As we were excited, we were moving forward and, and, and we did things sooner than we should have and sort of didn't cross our T's and dot our I's. Thankfully, things ended up going well. We were able to pivot and we were able to rehire everybody that we let go of, which was incredible because they're still with us. But that was a, that was a big mistake that we made. Thankfully, we were able to correct it and, and sort of sing about it now. That was the biggest mistake ever. I think the thing that we learned out of it was I didn't, the mistake was I know for myself, I didn't respect cash the way that I respect cash now. My cash was on the line. I didn't, I didn't realize how fast it could go when you let go just a little bit and, and make those mistakes. You can fix mistakes in product, but you can't miss, fix mistakes in capital. So, What does the future look like for Support Bench, the product, and for your team? The dream is always to be in the top four. We always want to, we want to be that premium customer support platform for, for growing and teams that are professionalizing support. That's our sweet spot, and we are going to lean into that. We're going to be making investments in solving the problems that these kinds of companies are having. You know, there's a lot of things that people are doing with, you know, ChatGPT and, and using AI to be able to solve problems. But there's a lot of really innovative ways that B2B companies can use it, such how we're doing it inside of our product. Just some examples are CSAT prediction or auto summarizations of problem solution, auto knowledge base creations of different problems to be able to make KCS a lot easier. Like, there's so many awesome problems to be able to solve with these tools that are here. So I'm really excited. The future last year looked very different than the future this year. So I'm really excited about what we're going to be able to do and what we're going to be able to accomplish. Okay, let's switch to you individually. Who influences the way that you work? You name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. The first part of my answer is a we answer only because Eric and I, I mentioned earlier, have these two incredible mothers. And Noah, you know, you work with so many tech entrepreneurs, and we're all like a different group of people. What we do is so, so different. And when you are a co founder in a company, you've got your hands in everything, every part of a company from start to finish. Eric and I have invested our own personal funds and so much of our time and, you know, missed out on family vacations and all of that stuff. And we have these two incredible supportive moms who could have along the way put a lot of pressure on us for us to not continue moving forward. These women, they are beasts. They are like, you know, heat behind us. They're the rocket ships pushing us forward. They're both immigrant moms from other countries that you'd think they'd be very risk averse and、uh, quite the opposite. They're like, you know, we facilitated a beautiful life for you. And, and if you want to reach the stars, we're here to lift you. That's been so, so big. Me personally, I'm very. Lucky that one of the investors that we have is a venture backed fund that invests in female entrepreneurs. And if you go to these tech events, Noah, it is an ocean of dudes, and the women are so few and far between. 
and then women of color are even, goodness, like little unicorns in the room. So the fact that I get to speak to really incredible, strong, capable, intelligent, awesome female entrepreneurs through this portfolio venture fund, I'm so grateful for because some of my challenges are different from Eric and some of his are different from mine. And sometimes all we have to work with is is male entrepreneurs giving us also incredible advice. But on the occasion that I get to talk to a woman entrepreneur that steps ahead of me, that's incredibly successful, the insight and oversight is just amazing. So I'm, I'm very grateful and they're, they're very big motivators for me. For, for me, easily my mom, I think she taught me everything. Uh, she taught me my work ethic. She's 80 years old and she's still cleaning houses eight hours a day to be able to have her own money and to be able to go and support her entire family back in Mexico. I think whenever I whenever I think about being lazy or I think about, you know, not doing it, I just I look at that and I think what she taught me was the ability to be able to enjoy work and know that it's the path. It's really how freedom is made. Have your own money and how to have your own ability to be able to do it. So I think big, big, big influence in my life. We're going to move on to the last question then. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Think long and hard before you actually decide to do it because it is a brutal journey. It is extremely stressful to be able to get this done. So think long and hard if this is really what you want to do. And if you do decide to do it, then really just go all in and, and make it happen. You're going to fail a million times and you're going to win one and then you're going to fail another million and then you're going to win one. So be cautious of you go all in, but make sure you, you keep that cash on hand and you make sure that you talk to the right people, align yourselves with the right people. There's a lot of sharks out there when you're first building a product about promising you the world and from go to market advisors to, you know, salespeople. So be very wary about people, but just if you're going to do it and you're convinced about doing it, just hold your cash, make sure you do things methodically from start to finish and don't just jump without actually having a solid plan to be able to go to market on whatever product that you have. I would say get very happy, comfortable with a ton of rejection. Just be like, I love it. I love the, I love the rejections. I can handle eight to 10 rejections today. One thing's going to go right. And I'm totally comfortable with that. And yeah, I would say not to be morbid, but if you are comfortable in a job where you work for someone else and you can come home and just relax and not think about anything, that's a great life. If you want to be thinking about your company all the time, the work that you're doing and where you're going to go from here, then yeah, running your own company is, is the way to go. Earlier I mentioned, if you are starting this up, aligning yourself with wonderful people, incredible, but also being humble and open enough to take all of that advice in. No matter what you know in this industry, each day you come across something you've never seen before, never experienced before, don't know how you're going to move forward. Things are changing so rapidly. You have to pivot so quick. So you really want to be open and humble to receiving that advice and guidance from those that have gone before you. And then lastly, go with your gut too. 
you've taken all the advice, you've taken all the input. Sometimes you just know, you just know, you have to trust yourself that you know how to make that next step forward. Well, thank you both for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Support Bench. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us, Noah. This is really fun. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.